Hello everyone, I'm Courtney Brees, Managing Director at NCDD, and today I'm talking with Julie Winokur, Executive Director of Talking Eyes Media and Producer and Director of Bring It to the Table. Julie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Um, so why don't we start off um, by having you tell us a little bit about Bring It to the Table and how this project got started. So I launched Bring It to the Table five years ago. Uh, it was during the last presidential election. And I did it because my son at the time was 17, and he told me that I was the most politically intolerant person he had ever met. <laughs> and it was an absurd claim. It was out of the mouth of a 17-year-old, but it was a serious enough allegation that I, I um, felt that I needed to own up to my own partisanship, and I needed to recognize that while I was very upset about the divisive tone in politics, the pitting of one ideology against another, the dysfunctionality of Washington, D.C., um, I, I was moved by all of that and frustrated, but I wasn't looking in the mirror and asking myself, whether I was contributing to that problem or whether I was genuinely invested in fixing it. Mm -hmm. And so when, when he called me intolerant, it did make me self-examine in a way that I had never done before, and I think most of us have not truly done. Uh, we you know, spend a lot of our life's effort aligning our um, belief systems in some way that makes sense of the world and reaffirms what we hold to be true and dear. And we don't genuinely want to entertain opinions that might question or call into question our own beliefs. And it's a very natural human thing to do is to reaffirm, you know, your existing beliefs in order to feel comfortable in the world as you move through it. So it was a moment for me of having to say, wait a minute, okay, am I listening to the other side? Am I truly tolerant? Am I truly open-minded to learning something new from someone I disagree with? So in order to test myself, I decided to take a small table and hit the road and invite people to sit down and talk politics. And the whole idea was an exercise in listening. It was a, an attempt to go out and engage with people I didn't agree with, but to to invite the conversation and to really um, absorb what they had to say so I could hear for the first time what they believed. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I spent months, I had a crew with me, we did a Kickstarter campaign, we got enough money to hit the road, we traveled around the country, we went to the conventions. Uh, during the last political election, uh, presidential election. And then um, we cut a 40-minute film called Bring It to the Table. And then we also cut several short pieces that we call Table Talks, where we brought together various people who had sat at the table talking to me, but we brought them together as though they were in conversation over hot-button topics like abortion or gun rights or... Um, welfare or the role of the government in, mm -hmm. in intervening in social welfare or, or social behavior. 
And so, you know, a lot of themes came up through the cycle of interviewing more than 100 people at the table. And then we decided to edit these table talks as a way to show what civil discourse might look like if you had very different points of view shared in a very sober, thoughtful way. Mm. And so that's that's the genesis of the project. That's at least, you know, the, the early stages and then what we ended up uh, developing out of the project. Um, since then, I have been going on a national tour with Bring It to the Table. I spent uh, the better part of the six months leading up to this recent presidential election touring college campuses. And I've been doing an interactive live event where I show the film and I have my table with me and then I invite volunteers from the audience to sit at the table and experience what these table talks look like and what the methodology is if you are going to approach a conversation in a true spirit of listening, learning, and growing from people you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And so I model for for the participants at these events what the table talks look like and my methodology in doing them and the types of questions I ask. And then I have the audience do their own uh, brief table talk on an issue that has been pre-selected by whoever's hosting me. Mm-hmm. So it's a chance for them in that moment and in that spirit in the room to ex- try to experience dialogue of a different nature. Mm. And how has um, how has the response to that been? Have people been eager to, to try it out or a little uh, apprehensive? <laughs> so you would think they'd be apprehensive, but they're not. And it's so interesting. So the first time I, I tested it out, it was funny because I'd been invited to uh, talk about my project at a, uh, a huge photo store in New York called B&H. And so I had no idea who would come to an event at a, at a photo store. I figured they'd be people who really wanted to know what camera I used and whatnot. Yeah. And so I showed excerpts from the film and I talked a bit and then I said, hey, does anybody want to come sit at the table and talk with me? And 10 hands shot up immediately. <laughs> and I did a table talk in front of this audience and then I talked some more about my process, about how we captured the media, et cetera, et cetera. And then a hand went up and I said, yes, what's your question? And the woman said, are we going to get to do more table talks? Because I really want to sit at the table. (laughs) And all of a sudden I realized, like, caught me off guard. I, I realized that even in front of an audience, people are eager to share what they believe. They're really, you know, very open to having a hospitable environment where they can explain where they're coming from and not feel under attack and not feel like they're going to be shut down because of what they believe. And so they're very eager to have the opportunity to share what what they understand to be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And it's it's been like that pretty much everywhere I go. You know, I, I again, I'm, I'm predominantly, I've been at college campuses over this period of time. And um, I never have a shortage of people who would like to sit at the table and sh- and share. Well, that's great. I love to hear that. Yeah. 
So one of the things I noted in watching the film and um, and viewing some of the table talks um, on the Bring It to the Table website is is the nuance. You notice very quickly um, the nuance in people's views. Um, for instance, you have uh, a couple people who identify themselves as conservative, but they're voicing support for things like same-sex marriage um, or a woman's right to choose, which are things that seem perhaps counter to what many might assume a conservative would think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, have have you been surprised by the nuance in people's perspectives? Um, is this and and would you say from your experience that perhaps this is more common than than many of us would think? So I am surprised pretty much with every single person who sits at the table. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where the conversation will go. I have long ago learned that um, I, whatever I assumed I was going to get when I looked at somebody is thrown out the window pretty damn quickly. Um, so I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. You know, it's almost like the only thing you can rely on is inconsistency, you know. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like it, it's counterintuitive, but I, I've learned to... Um, you know, sort of flow with whatever the the gist of people's beliefs are. And and I think that's been one of the big learning curves is um, how in how what a, a complex rubric of ideas we all hold and how our personal experience informs us and how the same type of experience can result in totally different outcomes for mm. two different people. Yes. So I'm perpetually fascinated by, you know, social welfare is one of the big ones because so many people bring that up at my table. And it's so fascinating to hear how many people, this just happened to me, I was presenting at at Oklahoma State University. And so the first volunteer sat at the table and leaned more conservative and he said, well, I think social welfare programs are really problematic. Uh, my mother got food stamps. I felt that if the government hadn't intervened, our family would have stepped up. And I just don't think that these are healthy programs for people to rely on. And, it, you know, for him, he didn't respect his mother's behavior. The next volunteer came up to the table and she said, well, I lean more left because I think social programs are, are incredibly important, social welfare. And she said, I am a single mother of three, I'm a full-time student, and I work. And if it weren't for food stamps, I don't know how I would manage to survive. And so within, you know, half an hour, we had two very different ideologies that came out of shared experience. So what's wonderful about that is that anybody watching these two talks uh, it, you know, appreciates that there are no black and white answers to complex problems. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of, I think, the power of this project is just highlighting that um, things aren't as black and white as perhaps they they seem. Um, and some of that's, you know, of course, perpetuation in our mass media and and so on. Um, one thing I I do want to ask you about is, you know, you started this project in 2012. Um, and in the film, you go and speak to people um, at the conventions before the 2012 election. Um, 
since then, of course, we've had our 2016 election, which is which was particularly noteworthy and I think has brought up a lot of concerns about the the division in our country. I'm curious how you feel things have evolved and if you've been hearing things um, different things over time, you know, if you were to compare the conversations you were having in 2012 to the conversations that you're having now, for instance. I, I think it's changed a lot because when I started the project, the the writing was on the wall and it was very clear we had major issues of a divided nation mm-hmm. culturally, ide- ideologically. And I think that this election highlighted it to a degree that suddenly people feel like my project is relevant in a whole different way, mm. whereas I feel like it was incredibly relevant back then, but I, it's gotten this new surge of interest because of the election, and particularly because of the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder what, um, you know, how we, what kind of conversations we'd be having if Hillary Clinton had won. I think we'd you know, it would be entirely different. Um, I think that the way it's shifted in terms of the actual content of the conversation is that I, I have gotten a surge in requests to present Bring It to the Table at uh, college campuses that have had blatantly racist, anti-Semitic events happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was not seeing that last year. That was not why people brought me in. Um, now they're bringing me in because they're desperate to figure out how can we build bridges because the environment, is, you know, has become um, threatening to certain students. And there is this very strange moment we're having where free speech is being confused with the right to, um, you know, infringe on somebody else's sense of security and well-being. Mm-hmm. And that's really problematic. And so some of the conversation I'm having now is sort of where do you draw the line? So it's all well and good to go into a conversation and say, you know, I may not agree with you, but I respect that you have your opinion versus I, you know, it's unacceptable to voice certain opinions <laughs> because as a society, we have determined that, you know, we, we need to, um, you know, we, we need to banish racism and, and anti-Semitism and, and misogyny. So these are not, you know, you know I, I, I'm struggling with that all the time. How do I, how do I draw that distinction? And how do we all? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would, you know, echo that from those who I speak to in the, the dialogue and deliberation and, and just public engagement realm in, in total. Um, that's a very similar um it's a recurring theme I'm hearing right now. One is just the the prevalence of of issues and incidences um, of hate and intolerance, in particular, um, that people you know that have started or increased, I should say, um, yeah. yeah, in recent months, and and so that's it's a challenge that I think many of us are are trying to address right now in our work. And it's very interesting to be doing this kind of work and and worry that, um, how do I put this? Like I had people say to me, a handful of people in the course of my travels and my presentations who will say, well, I think the work you're doing is potentially dangerous because you may be trying to make nice with people who really 
want to roll right over you and, you know, kind of send you back where you came from kind of mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I resist that because I feel like, you know, the reality is we all need to deal with each other. Mm. And we need to find a way to broaden our tents and embrace and um, respect each other as widely as possible and allow those people who are more extreme to really be on the fringe. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to define the fringe. And... I think that, you know, it's, it, it will be more successful the bigger the tent is, the more clear it will become who does not actually warrant entrance to the tent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And I think what you're doing is, is such an important part of that. Um, and all of us need to be working to, to accomplish that right now. Are there more more things you think that each of us could be doing as individuals in this country to help bridge the divides that we're seeing right now? Definitely. And I think it begins in your immediate sphere. So it begins with your neighbors, your family. It begins with learning how to talk to the people who are immediately around you differently. I think it also is about acknowledging when people you disagree with might have good ideas. I think, uh, you know, as as somebody who leans left, I I think that the left has done a lot of damage, quite frankly, in being very stubborn and pig-headed and and arrogant, you know, uh, in in its perspectives and in its judgments of of people on the right. So I think, you know, in in that sense, uh, certainly there's a lot of work to be done on the left. Um, I, you know, I, I would assume to some measure people on the right feel the same way, I would hope, because, you know, this is always, um, you know, both sides have to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think ultimately what I've learned and what this project is about is that you you can only claim responsibility for one person and one person only, mm-hmm. and it's yourself. And you have to ask, am I being, you know, that proactive problem solver? Am I really living true to that word? Am I invested in that? So, you know, as as an example, I know I I went to the Women's March. I was at the inauguration and the Women's March. So when I was at the Women's March, as much as I agree with much that was being said, I also cringed at certain things being said that I felt were very exclusionary um, that were dismissive of, of of many people who would have been at that event or would have felt comfortable there, but ultimately were not really welcome there because of you know just some of the rhetoric and some of the um, you know some of the hyperbole in the way we talk about very serious nuanced issues issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I think we all play a role in you know, in inviting progress as opposed to, you know, stampeding <laughs> yes. to get what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, um, you know, what, what you're doing and what Bring It to the Table really is all about is just encouraging us to, to not shy away from some of those conversations as well. Um, you know, that's one of the, the more powerful um, 
moments I've had in in recent months has been just not shying away from those conversations with people who I know I disagree with um, mm-hmm. and really inviting a conversation and, and seeking to understand their perspective instead of just trying to be polite and and not getting into it. I, I know, um, is it... Um, I believe in the in the documentary you mentioned that, um, or one of your um, one of the folks that you talked to mentions that, you know, politics has become that that conversation that we can't have, um, mm-hmm. and and it seems like now more than ever it's a time where where we need to be um, a little bit a little bit more bold, but also understanding and really you know being willing to engage one another uh, in mm-hmm. these conversations. Well, when you learn somebody's political leaning, it's funny how much else you deduce immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of assumption. So this is where, you know, there's a culture divide. Um, you know, it's I, I, there's so much more room. Um, you know, and I think it's a moment, too, where I think think it's incredibly important that we urge people to hold their own parties accountable. Uh, you know, and this would be at this moment, you know, like I don't I don't have a lot of power personally to influence. You know, when you live in a, uh, a Democratic-leaning uh, town where your representatives are Democrats and they vote consistently in the way that you expect them to vote, at this very moment, you're completely disempowered as a voter, you know. So I, for me, going to my town hall meeting of my representatives just feels like I'm there to say, keep doing what you've been doing. Whereas I feel like my neighbors, just a mile up the road, have much more power at this moment to hold their own representatives accountable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, this is, it's an interesting moment. It's an interesting moment to, you know, when, when you have a stacked government the way it is, um, it's, yeah, I, it, it's, uh, it's a really challenging moment in terms of what each of us can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, on the flip side, it's that idea of, you know, when, you know, as I talk to people I know who voted for Trump and, and trying to, understand separate the rhetoric you know that that we hear uh, with the people who support him and trying to understand what what is hype and what is real and what is dangerous and what is potentially you know same old same old the way business is always done right it's it's very confusing in this moment mm-hmm definitely so what is what is next for you and bring it to the table? So I'm right now I'm 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 going to experiment with a couple of different things. So right now I'm I'm hoping we pull this off but I'm in conversation with the University of Michigan to do a big event on their central uh, quad and have 10 tables set up and have it uh, have them all facilitated by students and uh, use it as an opportunity. Increasingly, I've been trying to bring together the diverse student groups on campus because they don't talk to each other. So use bring it as an opportunity and a tool to go into these big schools and say, okay, great. First of all, we're going to convene 
you know, the leadership of the African-American group and the LGBTQ group and their young Republicans and the Democrats and the, the, you know, Greek system. And let's get those folks, those student leaders to convene and to experience this idea of like, how can we as very diverse student leaders, you know, really lead the change on campus so that we invite these types of exchanges and then have them facilitate, uh, you know, big public events on campus. So that's one thing I'm experimenting with because I would like to, to replicate that around the country and empower student leadership to take this on mm-hmm. and own it. That's great. Uh, so that's one thing. And, I, you know, I'm focusing on students also because they're young voters. I mean, this is the future of democracy. So, you know, you've got to empower them, give them agency, give them an investment in this process so they don't feel like their voices don't matter, their vote doesn't matter, it's all a mess, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, so, so I feel like this, you know, I, I, I would like to focus my attention there because that is what we will see, you know, in four years, eight years, 12 years. Um, and then the other thing is I'm uh, in conversation with a curriculum developer and looking at how to use Bring It to develop a curriculum that would go into high schools. And again, focusing on students who will be first-time voters in the next presidential election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's, um, you know, that's, that's where my attention is at the moment. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. That sounds, that sounds great. And that's certainly just as a personal side, near and dear to me. I mean, my my first experience with really um, recognizing that I had a different role to play um, and that my voice was important was something that I experienced as a as a college student being introduced to dialogue for the first time. So mm-hmm. I I think that that has a lot of um, that's very important work, and I'm very excited to hear about you doing that. So I, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing more about that for sure. Um, my, my goal with the project has always been that I wanted to create something that could then just go forth on its own and people would use it. And, um, you know, back to your question before about this election, you know, the irony was I feel like in the past year um, it became very much about me going out and doing these presentations and, this election woke a lot of people up and you know it's incredible to see how many people are calling their representatives for the first time ever how many yes. people showed up in washington dc for the first time ever you know so i think that you know we're in a moment where because there's this heightened awareness and because there's a desire to find tools to bridge divides because people, you know, a light went on in the room and people said, oh my gosh, uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with each other and how do we do it? It's, you know, it's almost like playground rules, you know, how do we play nice together? Um, I feel like bring it to the table is that tool and it's something that can be utilized by other people. It does not need me to be part of it, you know, on the ground. Um, you know, we've created the film. We have a toolkit. We have a mobile app that um, that we use at all presentations where everybody in the audience gets to go on their phone and just answer a brief survey about where they stand politically and what they think about this so-called other. Uh, at the end of the presentation, we ask them a few more questions so that everybody in that room gets a chance to engage in some way and give us some feedback. 
Um, and so, you know, like between the kind of plug-and-play nature of what we've created, you know, we, we supply anybody who gets the film, we supply them with all kinds of marketing material so they can promote an event. So we've made it incredibly easy for mm-hmm. people to just get this, you know, sort of idea all ready to just plug in and deploy. So really that is my hope is that it will, will catch on in that way and word of mouth and, and folks like you and, and, and CDD and being able to say, hey, this is the great tool that we could just, let's let's get it and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. Yeah. We need to invent it. Absolutely. So, um, so tell folks how they can get involved or learn more about the project if they want to, to take some of this on themselves. So the best thing is to go to the website, which is bringittothetable.org, and we use the number two, bringittothetable.org, and everything is on there. It's it's quite a comprehensive website. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, Julie, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and talk about your work with Bring It to the Table. I um, I think it's very exciting and important work at this at this time for all of us and uh, I look forward to hearing more about what you your continued work and efforts great thank you so much I really appreciate it this podcast was produced by the National Coalition for Dialogue and Deliberation the episode was recorded and edited by Ryan Spencer get involved in this community by going to ncdd.org get involved or learn more at ncdd.org Thanks for listening to this episode. Please share your thoughts in the comments or on social media using hashtag NCDD.